0: podcast platforms be sure to give me a follow on facebook instagram and tiktok as well at matt stocks dj that way you can keep up to date with all of my live q a dates my dj performances and of course who's coming up on the show as well but without further ado let's crack on with the show shall we here we go hey dave yeah randy since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks underwear and t-shirts are super soft What was your first exposure to pornography, Mike?
1: My first exposure.
0: I love that. Amazing. For Plus, the benefit of people just listening, um, there's visuals uh, to accompany Mike's article.
1: Oh, is this an audio thing?
0: It will be. It will be both. But yeah, audio, Fuck. visual. It's going to be visual
1: too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm putting. I'll put this on YouTube so you didn't get all dressed up for nothing. Don't you worry about that.
1: Oh for fuck's sakes.
0: <laughs> it's for my benefit though, no. And you've got the judge.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I, I should be sitting up. I look it makes me look fat this way.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. So go on, your okay. first exposure to pornography. Put me in the picture.
1: Uh my mom uh she had magazines that were dirty. She had one magazine called Cox and Cunts. And it was close-ups of Cox and Cunts. Like fucking disgusting have you ever seen a genital up close no face no
0: body just the members
1: no but have you ever seen a genital up front like close
0: Uh, i mean yeah it's not especially ours they're not the prettiest of things are they
1: well they're better looking than fucking vaginas (laughs) tell you that no no (laughs) what i mean is they're all ugly it's the worst part of the body that's so, pretty
0: hardcore. How old were you when you laid eyes on that?
1: No, I, I mean, I'll I will I will I like to be tied up and be suffocated by a pussy for like an hour or two. That's a good time. I like them. I'm not going to fucking sit there and jerk off to a picture of a vagina. I mean, I want to see a woman. And
0: you want imagination at play, right? I, I guess you're one of those guys. That...
1: I'm going to imagine that she's in a latex outfit. No, <laughs> she will be in a latex outfit. I mean, I'm not going to fucking jerk off to a fallopian tube or the labia minora. Or... <laughs> no, what, what I
0: mean is you like to let your imagination run wild and bring into actuality... Your I want to
1: see your cervix, baby. Let me <laughs> let me jerk off your cervix.
0: So, how was your birthday? Tell me all about that. No, no,
1: no. My first pornography, no cocks and cunts. That was oh. what I saw. Mom, uh, this magazine is disgusting. And she goes, "Well, uh, uh, you seem to like it because you have a boner." <laughs> and I'm like, "That's because you're rubbing my cock, mom." <laughs> That's a very real
0: conversation to have with your mother.
1: Well, she had a mirror above her bed, you know, and we all know what that's cool. So, so she could watch me fuck her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not with
0: her eyes, but with the mirror.
1: Well, you need your eyes. to look in the mirror. What are you fucking talking about, dude?
0: (laughs) So you had a good birthday. You're just coming out of the birthday weekend. Yeah. It was a good time.
1: It was, uh, it was it was painful. It was a painful birthday. Exactly the way you wanted it. Yeah. I had Morat over here. Did you really? How's he doing? Yeah. Is he good? Uh yeah, he played me uh terrible music all night. Uh sounds about right. And his, his wife Masumi Max. Yeah.
0: I've seen photos of her. Yeah, she's quite the specimen, isn't she?
1: <laughs> yeah, she she uh she kept saying she was gonna hit me really hard with her hand known as a spanking in some circles mm-hmm. but it never really happened but uh no there were uh, a lot of dominatrixes here and some tough guys some people in bands it was a good birthday
0: and what about i know we're going back a little bit further but new year's eve i saw a picture with uh doug stanhope and you together is that how you rang in the new year with doug
1: oh yeah doug and bingo his his uh, wife Bingo.
0: Uh huh. I've, I've never had the pleasure of meeting her. I've spent the day with Doug, but I bet she's she had one. A lot she of fun. had one
1: joke. She had to say one joke on stage, and she blew it. <laughs> yeah, it's, Doug Stanhope is uh, kind of my favorite comedian, and he mentors me.
0: Yeah, we spoke when he was on my show about you, and he had lots of lovely things to say. And uh, for he's me, he's awesome. You, he is awesome, and I think for me, you're both cut from the same cloth. Um similar worldviews
1: similar approach to your art well you know what it's, it, it's true we're both we both seem like we're not politically correct but we are that's what that's the magic sauce it's just it doesn't seem like we are what we are
0: well it's, i think it's the way other people interpret you right they misconstrue the intent yeah. and, what's we, that, it's and because the we say
1: things in a way that's funny and and kind of uh, awkward, and people don't like it. No, yeah, sometimes. Like when I on stage, I'll say, "All right, this next song is a, a black people song. It's uh, it's not an African song. It's a reggae song. So it's I guess it's a Jamaican black people song." And people are like, "Why is he saying? Why is he saying? Talking so weird?" Well, it's a black person song from Jamaica. You can't say African American. You really just gotta say black person from Jamaica, because it's not a white person from Jamaica.
0: You know, then, I did and then you're going to eat the meat.
1: Yeah. And I don't know how else to explain the song. Like, you know, I was dating uh an African for uh I don't know, two years. And he, what's oh that's my African girlfriend. She's not African. well, well she's uh, three generations living in South Africa. She's African, yeah, but she's white. She's super white. All right. So what do you want to fucking say? Uh,
0: Semantics This is my it? white African
1: girlfriend. You know, <laughs> really throw them off. It just yeah, but I I would have to say this is my white African girlfriend, which that sounds weird. Yeah.
0: Then you then you're unnecessarily overcomplicating things, aren't you?
1: And she was my. You know i'm in the bdsm world mm-hmm. and she was my slave so when i said this is my african slave you know it, it doesn't fly it, <laughs> you really have to explain it but how else can i explain it this is my white african slave oh, no that doesn't work either
0: and it's okay mm-hmm. it's a sex thing and she signed up for it it's consensual
1: <laughs> well it was consensual, but she did not sign. <laughs> she didn't sign up for anything. And hey, we switched too. So talk. I was.
0: Go on. You would occasionally become the submissive too. Do you like to interchange and, and, and work both lanes then? You don't have a personal preference. A oh, I have a
1: personal preference. I am a, uh, a slutty submissive whore. Oh
0: yeah. That, well, that, that is, hurt. that is your, I don't charge. I don't
1: charge. Just slut. Uh, but no, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm like a queer, submissive, respectful boy girl. Uh, I do. I am uh, the dominant sometimes, and I'm and I'm good. But it just doesn't give me the same boner, you know. I hear
0: you. When was the first time do you think that you were really exploring this stuff in your art, in your music, not just in the bedroom and in your life? <laughs>
1: Well, when I wrote S&M Airlines, it was 1988. Mm-hmm. And I, I was so scared. Uh, I had a girlfriend then. We went to a, a double bookstore and I could not go in. I could not go into the store. She had to go in and buy the Bondage magazines. I was that scared. And S&M Airlines, the lyrics, uh, <clears throat> I sang, I'll never fly S&M Airlines again. Because I couldn't actually admit that. Oh, I was gonna fly that airline all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You're like it's a one and done type deal, but actually, you've just
1: signed <sighs> up for life. Yeah. I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed. Uh, when I was in my later teens and twenties, and you know, I didn't, I didn't come out as a crossdresser until I was uh, forty six.
0: Who did you have mentoring you in that world? Did you have anyone cross dressing? Cross-dressing, BDSM, that whole
1: community. was, uh, just, was just me and my my ex-wife, Erin, we started doing that when I was 19 and she was 18.
0: So you kind so, of navigated those seas together and walked
1: hand in hand through those early yeah. stages of it. The first time she tied me up and whipped me was in our tour van. You know, everyone is at some party. and We took the van to uh, some parking lot. I don't remember. It was a grocery store parking lot. And she tied me up in the back of the van. She started riding crop. She used a riding crop on me. I was naked. Cops pulled up. (laughs) Of course. And, and, uh, yeah, it was humiliation, not in the way I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also got two mosquito bites on my balls. Fuck. That sucked. But that's when I started doing it. I mean, my girlfriend before that, I did it with her, too. I've always done it.
0: I was going to say, it sounds like it's always been
1: there. It's what gives me a boner. Uh, I think when I'm with a naked woman, I kind of feel like reading an an issue of National Geographic. You know, uh, naked, I don't get it. It's like, you know, well, it's not like this at all. But it's like a Christmas present without wrapping but it's actually nothing like that because you don't want to fuck a Christmas present with wrapping (laughs) paper,
0: (laughs) but that would be a very specific um, personal sexual preference. Yeah,
1: If I'm with a woman and she's wearing, you know, all all the latex, uh, I'm fucking, yeah, you know, let's do it. And when they take it off, I'm like, what did you, why, why did you do that? Why did you take off the latex? Now I got to figure out a different way to get a boner. (laughs) it's just how it is
0: well it's good to be creative isn't it and that's very much you know your area of expertise is creative thinking so you can apply that in the work place yeah when
1: i was when i was with uh soma snake oil Mm -hmm. for eight years we never had a sexual experience that was the same It, it was really uh she was a master of uh ideas and uh, not not role play because it was always us but it was always something different she always fucking scared me and threw, threw me like what the fuck is this and uh, that's how people's lives should be they shouldn't be fucking uh, each other once a month once every three weeks and when you do it it's, you shouldn't have to go through the moves that you know Oh, she likes it when I touch her like this. <clears throat> or I know it turns him on. I'll just blow him and he'll go to sleep. No, you got to do new shit all the time. Well, without shoehorning
0: in too much of a crass segue, Mike, a lot of bands I've witnessed in my lifetime, and I'm sure you have too, get to a certain stage in their career where they begin to phone it in and they go through the motions and, um, Obviously it's been announced that no effects are going to start wrapping up um, the journey. Is any of that decision to get ahead of that and not become the band that begins to do things they've already done and get stuck in a routine? Well,
1: when did the decision come and why? There's a lot of reasons. Uh, I started thinking about it a couple of years ago and it's just, well, I think 40 years is a long fucking great career and we could keep going but i really want to say goodbye to all these cities that have been so wonderful to us and all these fans and we haven't like nofix has never tried that hard you know uh i try hard to have a great time on stage that's why i get so loaded but uh, these last 40 cities we're playing uh we're going to actually do something called rehearsing <laughs> where we we learn our songs and uh, hopefully play them well. And we've done two shows in uh, Edmonton and Vancouver where we knew it was our last shows ever ever in those cities. And we really tried hard for, you know we didn't talk about it, but it's like this is the last time we're ever playing the city and people were like, you guys were so fucking good tonight. It was exciting. And, and both nights I couldn't say goodbye to the crowd. I was like, you know, thank you. So and I just started bawling.
0: I saw some and, videos of this. You were down in the photo pit, weren't you, across the rail, like shaking everyone's yeah, hand? And,
1: yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was just so special to, yeah, to shake everyone's hand and to thank them for all the years of coming to see us. I mean, I, I'm crying now uh, It's special I need, what I need, built, I need right? bookends I need I, I need it to end uh, I'm, I'm tired of being an entertainer That way I'm tired of being Fat Mike on stage And playing the same songs That's why on this tour we're playing all different records And Entertaining people and making them happy That's great But I'd I'd rather teach, I'd rather tell people how to be happy for their lives and not just for one night. And I think I'm pretty good at that. Uh, ah, It's weird. I just, there's so many other things I want to do in life besides play the same fucking songs. Yeah, and
0: life's short, isn't it? And we only get a set amount of time and we have to use that time not just whilst we're here to do everything that we want to do, but I mean, are you someone who thinks about legacy and what you leave behind as a human, as an artist? Is that stuff
1: important to you? Of course. And I think uh, as far as being in no I think we've left a, a wonderful legacy, but I'm spending every day working on the, the Punk Rock Museum now. And like so many hours a day, Talking to cool people and getting cool shit, and that's the real legacy. Is uh, it's not no effects. It's the punk rock museum. It's incredible, and you know, I'm and I'm in the co-defendants now, in a band, a different style of music. And what's really making my brain super happy is my uh, uh, my quartet album. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fat Mike gets strung out it's really I, did,
0: I didn't know that's what it was called obviously you sent it me and i've been enjoying that those songs i didn't know that was what it was called that's amazing <laughs> of course it's called that
1: <laughs> well i was going to call it uh fat mike it, not chamber music but gas chamber music <laughs> but people were like that'll bum people out you know you're jewish and all uh, dude one it, of the funniest
0: on stage jokes it, i've ever seen you guys make was a download one year and you were doing this bit about how um one of your granddads died in a holocaust camp and everyone was like, oh, yeah, yeah no it's yeah, a
1: concentration was... camp and, and yeah. smelly's grandfather died because he fell uh, off the guard in a concentration tower. camp and it, it, it was really sad he uh well he got he got really drunk and fell off a watchtower <laughs> and it was it was terrible
0: so good. What did the Mexican get for Christmas? Was another one of my favorites as well. My bike. My
1: bike. <laughs> yeah, but but we change those all the time.
0: Yeah, no, I have no doubt about that. There's no script there, but yeah, they were just ones that stand out for me. That's I what's liked- cool
1: about this tour. This last tour is that every show will be completely different. Forty different songs. We're going to play every song we've ever written, and you know we don't prepare what we're going to say. It's just going to be, uh, you know. I'm excited to play shows. I'm so excited to play these last shows because it's gonna be it's gonna be really special. And uh we're not doing the Motley Crue Black Sabbath thing. On October six, two 2024, in LA, that will be the last time No Effects ever plays. Absolutely. You heard it I don't first. I don't want people to think that we're we're doing the, a money grab mm-hmm. you know i mean we are gonna we're gonna make money on this tour and it's but, gonna
0: be a good payday but it will be the last run
1: it will be the last run uh there's no fucking way i'm mean, gonna uh, lie to people and uh do oh well we decided to get back together again uh uh-uh. that's not how i roll i just don't um honor People don't think this of me, but uh, my whole life is honor. I know that. Yeah. There's,
0: There's a whole bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about. One of the things which intrigues me is as you look back over the 40 years, as you prepare for these shows, as you're obviously selecting set records to play in their entirety, do you feel like there was a classic era for the band in terms of your own Friendship and the energy in the
1: camp. Who the fuck is calling me? Hold on, no worries. Who's this? Oh, nobody. Just an old friend. Oh, what's up, Tally? It's Nubs. <laughs> she's you, Nubs. Yeah, she's Nubs. Uh, I'm I'm doing an interview right now with England.
0: <laughs> Why did you answer?
1: <laughs> because I didn't recognize this number. I thought maybe you were the drug dealer. Number, you haven't saved it. Oh my god, I have to save everything from you. Save it in my contact, please. <sighs> no, call me back. Well, when I'm done with my interview, okay, save my number and call me on this number, please. 725- 725 <laughs> that's my number. whoops. Okay, later. I'll beat that. Yeah, that was nubs.
0: Do you have, or well, speaking of nubs, um. You know, for me, two albums which I haven't seen in any of the posters that have been on my periphery, but War and Errorism and Pump Up the Volume. For me, those two are classic no-effects albums, and I haven't seen many, if any, of, of those records being played in their entireties at any of these shows. Well, you
1: know we're coming back to Europe in 2024.
0: So you've got to hold something Where we're going
1: to do those albums, Heavy Petting Zoo, uh, it all makes sense. I don't know. Other records and new ones, it's, it's self entitled. Self entitled, I love that record,
0: me too. It's a great, album. and
1: I don't think we can play a single album, it's too hard. The big drag is just so fucking hard.
0: <laughs> do you think uh, there was a time in the band's history, though, where you were all at your happiest and best versions of yourselves? Because there's certain albums for me which are overridingly positive in terms of the tone, the sound, the message, everything. Then there's other albums, which are obviously darker and a bit more sad and introspective. And that's the journey of any band that's been around as long as you guys have. Are you someone who looks back? Have you been looking back? And if you have, are there periods where you feel like, man, that was a good time to be in no effects right there?
1: It's all been so good. Uh, Except for like COVID and more recently. Uh, that's why I wanted to do the last tour because I wasn't happy just playing shows anywhere. But uh, no, it wasn't like White Trash was interesting. Punk and public. we decided not to go with majors and not to make videos. And our career, everyone, everything just kind of kept going up, and it was just so fun and easy. And the best times is when I started doing cocaine, I think. Which uh, I don't know what year it was, but because I, I used to go on tour and I didn't party. All throughout my 20s, I'd drink down and then. And then. Uh, so I would say the uh, Pump Up the Valium, War and those years, they were the funnest.
0: I think you can hear that you can hear it on the albums and you know, you have songs like the theme from an NoFX album and you have mattersville and not only are all the songs positive sounding, but there's actually like songs about the camp, the crew, all of you, like, you know, being the best of friends, having the best. Yeah. Time
1: like theme, you know, and uh, no effects. We had kind of the most coveted crew, you know, our, our crew had been with, with us most of them for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of people wanted to work for no because we don't work that hard. And, you know, we, uh, we don't switch guitars out. And it's just, it's one it, it's one family. And um, how lucky we have been to be in this band with the same fucking members for 40 years. You know, we have manager and you know, Jay Walker has been coming out, and really, and uh, getting to travel the world with your best friends. What? What a life! What a, what a what a what a fortunate life!
0: It's very special, man. And when you took people behind the curtain with the the backstage passport TV show, and we saw into that world. Everybody wanted not people in the, even the music industry, just regular people were like, damn, I want to be on the road to those guys. I want to be in that crew. Not even the band, like the oh, crew.
1: Man. Yeah, if we could only show all the footage. <laughs> uh you know it's rough in season two? It's like you have these guys filming you for years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're gonna catch you on your worst night. And yeah, mine was Monterey, Mexico. Man, what an asshole I was. And I'm not like that. Well, that's but, the nature you know
0: of a reality TV show, isn't it? If you're going to do it the way you no, guys this, do, real. But this was
1: reality, you know? And the reason we didn't do season two on Fuse is because they said, well, this time we'll send producers with you and they're going to make all kinds of crazy shit happen. But we didn't make shit happen. It just happened. It takes a long time because a lot of places are just boring. <laughs> <laughs> but we made nothing happen.
0: Another thing I've been thinking is like, something you guys did since the beginning, which got me excited about you is pre-internet when you couldn't find out anything about bands and you wouldn't do interviews. You'd pick up your albums, you'd read the book sleeves and you wouldn't even really know half the time what no effects looked like, who they were because you'd fuck with people so much. Yeah.
1: We didn't do interviews for eight years and we didn't really put our photos on albums.
0: Yeah. It was genius because there was a mystique around the band that I remember since the day I discovered your band up until the kind of george bush campaign when you started talking in the press and i got to see you only because
1: only for political reasons yeah because oh shit we haven't done interviews in eight years now it's a good time too and that was the beginning of uh me becoming hated
0: you mentioned this to me last time we spoke yeah And it's funny, isn't it? When
1: Vice Vice Magazine gave Warren Arias a zero out of ten and said, Fat Mike, why don't you stay at the kids' table? And, like, well, I went to fucking college and I had a degree in social science and I took political science and uh, I'm not a fucking idiot. And, but no one wanted to hear no effects talk politics. And that was the beginning. And Still, um, I think it's very interesting how unliked I am by so many people because I I don't know. It's because I speak my mind. It's because I live the life I want to live. And uh, I'm happy and successful and people don't like that.
0: Yeah, and I think when you're a public figure and you're actually honest, People don't like that either because they can't handle the truth without throwing a cliched saying out there, I think it's true. I think the people that do the best are the people that, you know, button their lips and give people 10% yeah. of who they are, not 90% in your case. Yeah, you don't know
1: what what, what Greg what Greg Graffin does or Ken Casey or Dave from Flaggy Molly. You don't know their lives. I'm just so open about mine. And I do that because uh like when I was vegetarian for 12 years, I told people that because I think it's the the moral way to live and living your life. Don't dream it. Be it living your, your life happy and living out all your fantasies. And you gotta be a role model for that. You know, you gotta get your freak on. If you're not getting weird, you're weird. And Living a normal life is fucking insane. So I do speak out. And yeah, we've had private conversations about all kinds of stuff. And I love talking to people. That's what I want to do more is, you know, connect. Talk to people, connect with people, and show people that happiness is your passion. It ain't your fucking job. And it's right there. You just have to figure out what your fucking passion is.
0: Well, one thing that I think, I hope you know, uh, and I, I have no doubt that this run of shows will reinforce, is that Effects isn't just a band, you know, with the label alongside it. What you guys, and you in particular leading it, have always done is shown people that you don't need to play the game, that you don't need to use the phrase to sell out you can make it on your own terms you can have integrity and success at the same time and it's quite amazing to me was there ever any doubt in your mind as to whether or not you would or wouldn't make it or did you just know that it felt good and it just kept growing naturally because
1: we we never thought we were going to make it are you kidding me have you heard our early albums i certainly have yeah yeah shut up already (laughs) we are the most improved band for sure yeah idiot In my house, when someone sneezes, you say, idiot. And then you have to say, thanks. Thank you. It's funny. It's It's way better than bless you. It's
0: way better than bless you, I was going to say.
1: Idiot. (laughs) I believe you're supposed to say, thank you. Okay. There you go. Bless you.
0: But you've done it on your own terms. Every step of the way. There's so much to be said for that. That's inspirational. There's so much to be said.
1: Yeah, but it's like... (sighs) It just it worked for us, you know. I don't when Green Day went to major and Rancid for a little while on Bad Religion and uh, Rise Against against me. Everyone else basically, no, no, just a lot of bands did, and I never said anything like, yeah, that's your path, you know. And a lot of them did really good on majors. Some didn't, came back to indies. Doesn't matter. It's, I mean, I think a sellout band. Is a band that changes their sound To fit in with popular music Like the Rolling Stones Sellout band Have you heard Emotional Rescue mm-hmm. They made a fucking disco album
0: Kiss both great rock and roll bands But yeah they jump on the bandwagon Sellouts And they're still selling uh, out arenas
1: You know Well whatever uh, <laughs> Green Day Never changed their sound
0: Everybody else just Real, you know, realized it was good and jumped on board.
1: Yeah, the world finally realized that punk rock is better than all other styles of music. There you go. Lyrics are better, the melodies are better, the message is better. Uh, uh, we're nicer. I mean, who do you want to hang out with? Fucking no effects or Slayer?
0: It's no contest.
1: Uh, No, yeah, no, no, no one wants to hang out with Carrie King, Dave Lombardo, maybe, but.
0: I very much operate Harry. in both worlds and have encountered. Kerry King experienced not fun, not a nice guy by all accounts. I've never met him, but yeah, by all accounts,
1: if um, you lost your if you lost your hairline that early. Oof.
0: Here's one thing though that definitely doing it your way, and you can hopefully shed some light on this. You know, when you're singing about dinosaurs dying out in the late '90s, before the advent of streaming services and the decline of the music industry. You're predicting that coming, idiot. (laughs) But so many bands, when the industry collapsed, began to panic, and they're like, you know, it ain't what it used to be. But for you guys, I get. Did anything change? Did you notice a change? Obviously, you saw the sea
1: change. Uh, Yeah, it it all it all changed. Uh, You know, Fat Records had eighteen employees. We went down to five. Uh, Being a songwriter, it's just way harder to make money, Uh, and also being a band member all the money you make is playing live shows. And it really separated the mediocre bands from the good bands because you have to survive on the road. And, uh, I think if you were an innovator or your band is really good, you did okay. Where in the nineties, fucking everybody did good. Cause there were so many CDs selling, but you really have to, uh, impress a crowd and i like to think you have to uh have make the crowd feel like they know you which is you know like us and frank turner they do that what do you mean they do that i'm talking it's me i can't (laughs) say they we do that where you know nirvana they'd play a whole fucking show And Kurt Cobain would say, thank you, one time. You didn't feel like you knew. Lyrically, you did. And, you know, that's why he's dead.
0: Well, here's another point. There's that old phrase, right? That
1: made no sense.
0: You either die a hero or live long enough to become the villain. Do you think any of that has been at play in your story, in the no Effect story? For me, yeah.
1: You know, I don't know. I've been villainized. Don't know why, uh, but you know, can't complain. The The mantra that gets me through life is you win some, you lose some. And you really, when something bad happens to you or someone fucks you over, yeah, that, ha- that happened. I just learned a lesson. But if you get upset or angry or take revenge on someone, you're a fucking moron. You can't win them all. And getting upset when someone screws you over, just don't hang out with that person anywhere.
0: When you're writing a song like Don't Count on Me, do you take that hefe part included? It's 30 years, I'm still the new guy. Do you go to the rest of the guys and be like, this is what we're doing and what's their response? Because no nope. song- <laughs> how does a song like that go from an idea these, in your These head are the to...
1: words. Sing it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we don't, we don't write songs by committee.
0: That's uh, a, that's a very specific message you're sending out there though, isn't it? Which is basically, I'm going to have the last laugh here.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like, uh, any good joke or any good song, not any good song, but you want to misdirect people. Any good magic trick Mm -hmm. is misdirection. And that's what I live for is playing stuff that uh, chords and lyrics and whatever that people don't expect. And uh, I think our last album on double album, we, we did that a lot. Mm -hmm.
0: What's coming up then you told me that you're doing, have you finished? Like there's going to be another no effects record, right? Even though touring's winding down. What will go on with releases? Will there be one more album then done? Will there be intermittent?
1: Well, We're almost done with our next album. It's called Everybody Else Isn't Zing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the one we, we did in the studio where people paid to watch us record. And uh, yeah, those songs are done. And it's, you know, I, I that's pr- like kind of our last studio album. Although we have two more records coming out after that. But uh, those are songs I've been saving. No effects A to Z. And uh, they're cool albums, but I just, for the past 10 years, I've been making sure we have songs starting with every letter of the alphabet. Amazing.
0: And so that's what it'll <laughs> be is tw- 26 songs, one for every letter.
1: Two, two different ones, yeah. But a lot of them are unreleased amazing or demo versions and yeah you think i wrote a song called xmas has been x for no reason or zyklon b bathhouse <laughs> uh, thinking i've been thinking for a long time <laughs>
0: how could did you ever release idiot son of an asshole that was nope. one of my that was one of my favorite ever songs by you guys and well you have
1: bad taste in music
0: it no it, it was just it was a moment in time it captured the zeitgeist. it sent up a very evil man in a very funny way and I thought it was a brilliant statement and just a great fun uh, swipe. We insight. have a lot of
1: songs that, that we've never recorded. I like that. I like that too. And, and our last tour, uh, I plan on writing a new song for, uh, there will be one unreleased song in every city.
0: Are you still going to do, I'm going to try and skirt around this so I don't give it away, but you played me a song. Um, in your hotel room before Slam Dunk and you had this idea for an album it involved the skints nah. is that still gonna happen?
1: oh that's ha- it's it's already happened dude it, it's happening they're all out there
0: they're all out there already yes. already how many songs are we talking? 10? 14 wow so they're, they're all out there in the world fucking hell so I thought you'd just done that one and then you'd kind of let the idea by you know because the how started.
1: would you fucking know what Italian band is doing one or what Japanese band you would never fucking know. And no one's gonna know.
0: When are you gonna I guess you can't say when you're gonna drop it because then that's the And that's none the of worst.
1: the bands know who the other bands are. Right.
0: <laughs> amazing. Wow. So it is like that. It's like you don't know, they don't know. That's fucking no amazing. No one's though. gonna know. nobody's done that before that is a first that is a world first
1: well it's just so it's just so weird (laughs) uh and people are listening going what the fuck are they talking about
0: amazing dude um tell me about the co-defendants i watched the video you sent me through and it is it is tough as fuck and sam um he seems to be someone who's you know an important figure in your life doing the podcast with him doing this project with him I listened to that last uh, Get Dead record a lot over the pandemic time as well. And he's the real deal. Uh,
1: he lives with me, and uh, I've never met anyone like him. Uh, I love him so much. Uh, he's just untamable. You just never know what's what's going to happen with him. But he's a man of honor and... Uh, grace and what a fucking writer and what a human being and uh the co-defendants uh i've never been so proud of producing an album
0: it's got a huge sound it reminds me with its tone of a lot of the kind of uk grime and and scar that was around in the sort of mid noughties that was tough and street and urban and had that inflection to it real life stories about struggle and grit and
1: it's all. Yeah. It's all true to uh, all the stories and uh, I'm just so happy. And, you know, well, tomorrow the video comes out bad business. And uh, I expect you Matt, to tell all your friends. To watch I
0: will. It. And it's, it's an amazing video. It's fucking brutal.
1: <laughs> but you have to well, watch the first videos first.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I've seen the first two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we just we're, we're uh, editing the fourth one right now, and the fifth one is oh. About, you got to know what happens, right? You have to know what happens after bad business.
0: I think any kind of storyline that runs through not just the sound and and the music, but the visuals and the whole presentation of the product is, is again is a kind of a rare dying thing, isn't
1: it? I don't think anyone's done five videos that are one story.
0: No.
1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Costume change. So
0: good. Just drinking you in, Mike. That's such an amazing look. Are you still doing your own line of clothing? For men that like to wear ladies Yes.
1: Yes. Fatal. Fatal. Fatal designs. Men's uh, panties that are uh, supposed to be attractive to women.
0: You must have had a lot of people in the, maybe the punk scene, maybe just, you know, in strange scenes that have come out of the woodwork. But have you had a lot of encounters with people, men who've said, thank you so much for showing me that this is okay. For giving me the confidence to do this you've changed my life do you get a bit of that
1: Man, yeah and uh, nothing makes me happier that's why I want to spend more of my life doing that uh, not entertaining people for one night but changing their lives uh, yeah every time someone says that it makes me cry
0: it's a special thing. Um, how else do we
1: like? But well, there's there's like serious thought behind a lot of that too. Uh, feminizing men, women who feminize their men, or let them be feminine, it just makes the world a better place. Because men are not allowed to be feminine. They're not allowed to give up. They're not allowed to cry. They're not allowed to be sexy that I to uh be submissive and that's why every fucking war started. And just men trying to be a man, Ugh, gross, you know, what a terrible place to be in, uh, to have to be a man all the time.
0: What about uh, the phrase, which is very popular these days? I wonder if you could unpack it for me and give me your thoughts on it. Toxic masculinity. Toxic. What? masculinity.
1: Uh, I don't know what that means, but that's what I'm talking about. Uh, Being feminine. I mean, I I identify as a boy girl. I mean, I'm really like a grandpa, grandma, but, (laughs) but I say boy girl,
0: let's not be ageist here.
1: (laughs) And it's, it's, it's so nice to be with a woman. and, you get to be sweet and you know, I change; my whole personality changes and women uh, are less scared of you. Cause so many women uh, are scared of men as they should be because men are such jerks. And uh, really the best thing uh, for the world is for women to let their men and encourage them to be feminine. It's, it's problem is a lot of women don't want feminine men. And it's not just on women, you know, men, we have to be a lot fucking sweeter to women. Basically, this is the deal. You got to take turns once a week. Okay. This true equality. And- the best advice: On Wednesday night, you have a date night, and what the man does is does whatever his woman wants uh, sexually, specifically, fucking liquor pussy, make her come, do that lesbian thing with the, <laughs> and uh, whatever, but there's no reciprocation. You give her an hour of whatever she wants, massage, whatever. But you don't have, there's no reciprocation. She doesn't have to give you anything back because that's what sex turns into. It's like, oh, if I do this, and I'm going to have to do this, and I, oh, I'm going to have to do this. And then next week, she takes care of you. In my case, it'd be like, uh, shove something big in my ass and tie me up with tape. Uh, hurt me and you know maybe blow me where a blow job where uh where you can't say are you almost finished because uh, you know that just runs it right but no reciprocation and it frees you to oh my god i get to be with my partner and i don't have to perform i just get to enjoy them
0: Puts you in and, the moment, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. And, and pleasing your partner, I'm, I'm pleasing my, my partner is so special and it's like giving gifts, you know, at Christmas, Who no one likes to get them. It's fun to give people a gift and it puts you in the moment. I'm going to please this woman as much as I can for the next hour, two hours. And yeah, It's it's like meditation almost. I'm gonna concentrate on this woman. And it takes off all that performance anxiety and are we gonna come at the same time and all that shit. I mean, that's cool too. But yeah, I came up with this like a year ago and me and my lady were not together anymore. We did we did that and it's fucking great. She she'd be like, okay, get dressed up like a a slut. Come into the bedroom, uh, and lick me until I come two or three times, and then get the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> yes, ma'am. You know oh. what, though, it doesn't just apply to sex. I think what you you hit on something really interesting there is this whole idea that doing nice things for people, they get to receive something nice, and you get the feeling of doing something nice for someone, which is a positive joyful feeling so everybody wins and it's a it's a really empowering practice that can have a ripple effect
1: there's two kinds of people in this world people that give and people that take and we've been trained to learn that taking is okay it's business that's what you do it's never okay uh but no but but i think it is more important in sex because everyone thinks they have to perform and they want to be good. And it, it makes it so you have sex less often. It makes it so you want to just jerk off because it's easier. And, you know, both partners, you have to let your fucking partner jerk off.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You should be allowed to say, okay, okay, I'm going to the gonna other happen. room jerking off. All right. But what about me? It's not about you tonight, right? This is my fucking night. I'm having a date with my fucking cock. right? <laughs> fucking As, cheap date. Cheap date.
0: <laughs> As someone who's obviously uh, not uncomfortable talking about anything, um, how do conversations with your daughter go in regards to things like this? Do you have the same amount of honesty with her? Or is it yeah. is it a bit more difficult? She tells though? me
1: she tells me everything uh she's in college now and it's uh fuck it's hard she told me something the other day uh that totally tripped me out because my ex-wife so snake oil is a porn star and you know we told darla that she's an adult model not a porn whore uh that that word I use because that's the word Soma uses because she wasn't a porn star. She did porn. She, she said porn whore. She's a sex worker. And uh, I respect all sex workers. Anyway, Darla said, you know, dad, all my friends at school saw Soma. They all saw her porn. And I'm like, oh my God, you never told me that. She's like, well, I didn't really want to say anything. But everyone I knew, it was like your stepmom did that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I gotta say, uh, Soma, she did porn. Uh she was proud of it, and she put her daughter through private school doing it. And fuck yeah. You know, and I'm I've been on kind of going on a, a rant. Because I'm in Vegas and I I meet a lot of sex workers, strippers, escorts, porn stars, doms. And I fucking can't stand how they look down on each other. Like, well, at least I'm not doing that. I'm a stripper. I'm not a fucking escort. What the fuck? Why are you looking down on someone? All these women are bringing joy to the world. They're bringing happiness just like I do. You know, I'm on stage singing songs that I, I don't really feel like playing to bring happiness to the world. Just like nurses or uh, chefs, you know, wait staff, whatever it is, we're bringing joy to people. We're all fucking whores. You don't look down on anybody. And when I was doing this uh, abortion rights rally. Right, I'm singing songs. I wrote a song, "USA Holes," stay the fuck out of our holes. It was was pretty catchy, anyway. And this organization, this pro-abortion rights organization, we're anti-sex worker. And uh, are you serious? Well, yeah, I mean that women are being exploited. Uh, I thought you just said that it's a woman's right to do whatever she wants to with her body. Well, that's different. They're being exploited. Fuck you. Uh, in college, I knew two strippers that went through college and bought houses. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck are you to judge? You know, my ex, you put a fucking daughter through private school. You're going to judge her because she fucking sucks cock or fucks a guy or beats up a guy? I mean, women feminists they just they can't fucking agree on shit if you're going to be a feminist stand up for fucking women for their rights to do whatever the fuck they want to do you know you know who is uh really selling their body football players fucking coal miners you know they are selling their body they are losing their minds and their lungs sex workers they just make people happy. Get the fuck off their backs. Yeah. Or. or that sounded funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hypoc- stay on their backs. You know, you know what? Come the fuck on their backs. And pay them well for that.
0: Hypocrisy is the worst thing. And I've always enjoyed the fact that you've gone after that in your music and in, you know, in life and conversations. It's. Important. Yeah, and, and, and-
1: And some, and last year I was called out for being a homophobe.
0: The man that's had the rainbow flag on fucking stage for 20 years. And look
1: at me. I'm fucking queer. Oh, you did this Fat Records gay flag. You're profiteering. We sold like 80 of them. And I'm the president of the company. And sorry, but I'm part of the LGBTQ community. I'm the Q, not the G.
0: Have you seen there's anything wrong with that? But so, so Mike, I am 30 years late to the party, but I've just started watching Seinfeld recently, literally in the last couple of months. And I got to the outing episode the other night. And obviously that phrase comes up throughout the episode. Yeah, not there's
1: anything wrong with it.
0: And that's when the penny finally dropped. I was like, oh, at the end of Linuleum, when you say the thing that bums me out the most is, you know, her and all her friends know that I drunk pee. Not that there's
1: anything wrong with that. And I was like,
0: <laughs> oh, that's where that came from.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think I'm, I'm a Q. I'm a queer. Like, tell me if, if I'm queer. I have fucked a trans dom... That has a man made pussy. Like in that song. Mm -hmm. A thousand dollars, a million, how how hundred thousand dollars? Yeah. I went there. Doesn't that, don't I get included in the club now? You're in the club, right? Do the club accept you in the club? I don't know. There's really no, there's no exam. Uh, There's no place to go. You just have to kind of identify. And, you know, I was born visible. And now I identify as invisible. I'm transparent. My pronouns are who and where. (laughs) That's a good joke. That's watertight. (laughs) Well, I'm doing stand up now. And, And speaking of that, all you they and thems out there, Okay, it's yeah, it's fine. It's it's very confusing. I slept with them last night. Really? You had an orgy? No, I just slept with them. Well, how many were there? It was just them. It's freaking vague. So everyone who's listening, go with the new word. Per. Per for person. I slept with per last night.
0: Or just find their name out and refer to them by name,
1: right? No, per. This is important. I love per. I slept with per last night. Oh, just one person? Yeah, it was just per. Per is great. Per for person. It's non-binary. All inclusive, but as you say, it's all a inclusive entity. I am a person. I am not a plural. It's very confusing. There's only one say. of me, and but I mean, if you have split split personality, you can be plural. Then but come on, people! Enough of the they them. Her, but you can identify any way you want to. When are you
0: and Doug going out on the road together then?
1: Uh, as Doug says, taking you, out? you need a lot of work, kid. Does he? Oh, yeah. He's honest he, with you then. Oh, yeah. He's t- he he said he kind of liked one of my jokes.
0: Have you performed in front of him as a stand-up? Have you done that?
1: No, but I sent him the video. Cause I've done like four things I did well, but I mean, he's Doug Stanhope. Were you doing
0: it to just a comedy crowd to a music crowd friends? What was the context?
1: I've done some open mics and what I found out is I'm too dirty. Well, the language
0: is too blue or just the content is too blue. Uh,
1: you kind of have to have people relate to what you're saying. So when I say, are there any cesareans out there? Oh, I'm a cesarean too. How did you find out you were a cesarean? Did your mom tell you? My mom didn't tell me. But one night when we were spooning, I said, Mom, am I a cesarean? Why do you ask, honey? Well, because your pussy is so tight, Mom. I figured I came out another hole or another way. And uh, apparently it's too dirty for people. But it's it's out there, right? (laughs) Right, and I can't stop with those jokes. I think they're funny, but people are like, oh my God, God. you should see my band play. (laughs) Way to hear what I say about country fans.
0: (laughs) And you were doing that on the Wolves record, apart excluding country or musicians. It was there from then.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and Look, Look look at me and my daughter. Who's wearing a cowboy hat? That's me.
0: There's some lovely photos on that wall, Mike.
1: Really nice. Well, I, made, I made my family photos big. That's what my mom and dad. Fucking prick and whore. Uh, there's my granddad. He made racist films. Actually. <laughs> well, he produced and directed some Charlie Chan movies. Right. Which could be, at the time, oh, they were racist. Look at my grandparents over there. Ooh. There's a man on a horse my grandma and see this asian lady Mm -hmm. you know who that is no i don't either i just bought that photo at a store and i thought it would look good on my wall of family photos
0: (laughs) you know i want to be i want to be inclusive is family important to you mike is it something that's defined you
1: oh that's a good question because family is a I, mm. I long for family. Um, I wish I had family. I uh, I try to build my chosen family. Like Sam. Sharky. Um. That's a terrible question. Well, it's never too late, is
0: it? It's never too late to make these bonds and these connections with, you know, chosen family members,
1: as you say, or? No, like uh, what I sing in one in one of my newer songs is, uh, what a shame that shaman told me I'd always be alone because I've never been so lonesome after that. And that's kind of how I see myself, always being alone. Uh, I'm much happier when I write a new melody. I'm happiest when it's just my songs and me. I get it. I
0: get it. Do you think you're going to be all right not being on tour? You think you're going to settle into a new pace of life? Because obviously, there's another lyric where you say, "As you know, as long as I'm in no effect, or having bonded sex. I seem to function." You take away one of those things.
1: No, I, I have so many other things I'm so excited about doing, and you know, Home Sweet Home. I'm going to make the movie this year, and uh, I can't write more no effect songs. I've written enough. Uh, I'm writing for other people for I just I want to keep writing songs. Hmm.
0: You're an amazing I, writer, man. You're an amazing writer. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. I saw uh Beatles Love, the show yeah. last night for the seventh time. I took Lee from Snuff. I love Friday.
0: Him so, I love him so much. Is he I, still I just, out there?
1: No, no, but back, I took it. him and his, his lovely wife, Kath, yeah. to love. I just took Johnny from Old Man Markley. Last night, Mm -hmm. I went like twice in a week. (laughs) And it's just like, it's just so inspiring. Uh, My message to anyone out there, if you're in a band and you want to get popular and no one will, no one does this because I've told so many bands this, just learn how to play Beatles songs. Not let it be all of them. Do what they did in Hamburg for two years is master their craft of chords, progressions, and later. That much we'll
0: Oh, you
1: Sharky's leaving. It's really sad. Bye, Sharky. Everybody thinks their songs are great. Oh, I just wrote this good song. Fuck you. Learn from the greatest band of all time.
0: You know what? I I love that you. I've never taken my
1: advice either. I've never taken my (laughs) advice either. (laughs) I love that
0: you acknowledge them, though. I love that you acknowledge them because so many, you know, people who consider themselves punk would be like, "Fuck the Beatles," you know, whatever. But they are the band that invented popular music, like the pop band, and they were so political
1: too, very political and funny. Uh, There's Stones fans, and you know what? Go fuck yourself. I've I've a, I made a CD of the greatest stones tits that I like. It's five songs.
0: Which five? Which five are going in there? <laughs> Street fighting man,
1: mm-hmm. Angie, uh Give me shelter? No. Uh, uh Oh my god. It's I think two I now. it's just Wild two. Horses on it. <laughs> uh under my thumb. But only because Social D did it. No, uh the Stones, they're a band that makes you feel good. People yeah. like them because make you shake your some people like music because it makes them feel good. Well, fuck them. Uh I like songs because they change your life. Yeah, they make you think. Like Bowie and Billie Eilish. <laughs> uh and Snuff.
0: Love those guys.
1: So like bands that have made perfect albums. There's not very many of them.
0: Who have been some unlikely sources of inspiration for you as not just songwriters, but, you know, humanitarians, artists? RBG.
1: Ruth Ginsburg. I know. and uh, uh, You wouldn't know her. She's a, a woman. What's that
0: supposed to mean, Mike? <laughs>
1: uh, Dr. Susie. She's uh, in sex. Uh, we went to the same college. She wrote a book about bonobos. Brilliant book about the, the bonobo apes. They're the only matriarchal society in, in, in the world. Wow. So cool. It's fucking apes. The females, when men get in fights, they break it up and, like, blow them.
0: You know. <laughs> really, straight up. you know how to shut this down and they
1: have have sons and daughters and they teach them how to fucking give oral sex like this is what you do when a man's grumpy and and all the females just hang out and fucking lick cunt all day (laughs) fuck you man Uh, then they run everything the chicks run everything because women should run everything you know Uh, it just makes sense and you know the all the pages that were taken out of the Bible about God and His mother. I mean, non-existent God was birthed by non-existent godmother,
0: and they took her part. And that's out of where not
1: not non, where non-existent, not not existing Jesus came from, and <laughs> all the non-existent people that make this world such a Fun, fun, fun place. Marvelous.
0: Final segue of the chat. Speaking of women, you mentioned to me the other day that the majority of your team helping you out with the uh, museum, museum are of the female species. Um, that for you is that going to be your focus for the time being? And and how important is it for you to nail it with that thing and give people the one fucking you know place on earth that's going to house all of this. I, I hired
1: a lot of women because they're the women I hired are so fucking competent, and I just kind of think women do a better job uh, than men. I uh, think they try harder, and uh, there's not enough women leaders in punk rock, so the punk rock museum is fucking run by women, and okay. <laughs> it's not for a particular reason. I just think they do a better job. Yeah. And uh, and you know, when I was opening up this punk store and Lisa Brownlee from the Wart Tour, who I've known for 25 years, she was like, We should get some artifacts in here, some old punk rock shit, it'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn, that's a good idea. Instead of this one thousand square foot place, now it's a twelve thousand square foot place. So you know, uh, she was the first person to come up with the idea of let's get artifacts. It's good, cool, old punk shit. And I fucking ran with it. But, you know, it's it's funny because I did an interview in Spin and I told Spin, you have to talk about Lisa Brownlee because me and her started this. And they didn't put her in. They put Fletcher from Pennywise and Vinnie from Lesson Jake and me and, uh, Brian Ray Churchot and they left her out when I specifically said, and that's (sighs) I was so fucking pissed. That's because
0: standard journalistic bullshit move.
1: Yeah. She fucking ran the warp tour for 25 years. She's a wonderful woman. I love Lisa. Oh, she's a woman. She's not a singer of her band. Let's leave her out. And I I insist, I just I told them you have to put Lisa in. No, huh. but that's how the world works, right? But hopefully, we can change it. Uh,
0: I'm excited for everything you've got planned. I was actually with Fletcher last night. I went to see Pennywise play, and uh, he was chatting to me about you know just the kind of amazing ideas that you've been talking about bringing to life. And um, this museum be- is
1: magic, and and Fletcher is a big part of it because it's our museum. We're doing what the fuck we want. You know, like, you can't do that. What are you you fucking talking about? We're going to do whatever the fuck we want. But what if it breaks? Well, then we fix it. What if people spill beer on it? I don't think Darby Crash will mind. Uh, The ghost of Darby. I just got, look at this. The bag's done. Oh! Oh! Look, at oh, for what records? Pat Smear's first royalty check for the Germ 7-inch for
0: $8. $8.34, mind. Well, that that is, that is
1: correct. <laughs> Charlotte Caffey's first royalty check for $15 when she was in the eyes before the Go-Gos. DJ Bonebreak, his first check. This is fucking cool. This is the shit we're putting in the Punk Rock Museum.
0: I was chatting to Fletcher about this last night. I'm amazed that these things are still out there, that people have protected them and kept them. And
1: I've talked to so many people. Uh, uh, Brian from the Nightbirds, he just saw Nathan from the Teen Idols, You know Ian McKay's first band. Uh-huh. And he drove down to his house and he had everything. We have a bus ticket from Ian McKay uh, from his Greyhound from DC to LA. Yeah says Ian McKay on it I mean it sounds weird but I love this shit
0: things like that as well are actual signposts of the history of this movement and music as well like there's a few key players and a few key moments that do signal
1: the evolution of it all yeah but Pat Smear his first royalty check he went from the germs to vagina dentata to celebrity skin to maybe not that bad to, to Nirvana to Foo Fighters Quit Foo Fighters. Came back. And uh what a rad dude. What
0: a rad dude. What a rad journey as well. And you know, so much loss and for him to still be as lovely
1: as he is. He's game. so fucking cool. Him and Joan Jett are the best. They're the best.
0: Yeah. Real, real motherfuckers. All right. So I love you, Mike. And it's always a pleasure chatting. And um, thank you. For uh, everything love you too, Matt.
1: And, and this is a, uh,
0: this is a good run, I think. I'm happy. You're happy. And uh, yeah, I, I was, wait. I had
1: a, I had a few shots before I good. started
0: this interview. I think I'm
1: slurring. No,
0: you're not slurring at all. Not at all.
1: All right. I've looked cuter. That's
0: for sure. <laughs> what are you up to tonight? Uh, what do you think? you're going to get tied up spanked
1: and have a good time no actually tonight uh i'm going to hold my position right no no ropes i'm gonna i have to hold my position while uh i get hit with this fucking crop that has little spikes on it little needles Mm -hmm. so it like opens your ass and then you get caned so it's gonna get bloody and maybe if i'm lucky i'll get a big cock in my ass afterwards there you go
0: all in all in a day's work but
1: i'm just kidding i don't do that kind of thing
0: i'm just hanging out drinking liquid death watching movies
1: uh, no <laughs> I'm but, but I i'm do. in vanilla I, sex missionary <laughs> i do have to hold hold position tonight i was told and that's it's harder getting tied up and be that's easy
0: i have absolute faith in you mike
1: fucking professional what are you fucking talking about thank you Take Those care, my friends. Yeah, you take and, care. And, too, and you got to write something for the uh, museum. Whenever you're in need or just feeling down, remember that I'm probably on tour in a different town. If you're in a bind or feeling against a wall, please don't make me want to.